the business savvy singer. Hey there, and welcome to the Business Savvy Singer podcast. I'm Dr. Greta Pope, and I'm so glad that you're here. This podcast is dedicated to vocalists and to those who love them. We interview singers who are working professionally to get a glimpse into their lives and celebrate their personal journey to success. Join us weekly to learn how to move your career forward. Get tips and recommendations to help you realize the career of your dreams. You're listening to the Business Savvy Singer Podcast, brought to you by the privatemusicstudio.net, providing online education to build sustainable careers in music. Also, Eternal Wolf Music, producing audio for every need. And Greta Pope Entertainment, for the finest in entertainment. Welcome to Season 2 of the Business Savvy Singer Podcast. This season, not only will we be hearing from singers, we will also be hearing from professionals providing support services to singers. Hey there, and welcome to the Business Savvy Singer Podcast. I am absolutely thrilled today to be talking with a gentleman who is extraordinary in his singing talent, in his teaching of uh, singing, and just a nice guy. Sam Handley has been praised for his rich, burnished voice and the genuine emotional depth of his characterizations. He has performed more than a dozen roles at Lyric Opera of Chicago, where he was also a member of the Ryan Opera Center. A fervent proponent of contemporary composers, Sam has delivered several world premieres. He's been a guest artist with the Cleveland Orchestra, the Houston Symphony, the National Symphony Orchestra, and the Chicago Symphony Orchestra at Ravinia with James Conlon. He has collaborated with Peter Shigley, which I think is very cool. PDQ Bach in Houston, We Have a Problem, is available from Acorn Media. Dr. Handley has long loved sharing his knowledge of the art of singing, and he was a teaching fellow during both his master and doctoral studies. He is in demand as a master teacher, clinician, and adjudicator. Sam currently serves on the faculty of DePaul University in Chicago. He's the vice president of the Chicago chapter of the National Association of Teachers of Singing, and he is executive and artistic director of the Green Lake Festival of Music. It is my pleasure to introduce Dr. Sam Handley. How are you doing, Sam? Well, I'm doing great, and you make me sound wonderful. Nobody's read my bio like that before. That was really beautiful. Well, you you are wonderful. You have such a rich background as a singer, and uh, to be able to teach in the way that you do and adjudicate and offer workshops and this kind of thing, it is fantastic. So give us an idea of how you began in music. Was singing your first, was a voice your first instrument? Or did you play something else? Or at what age did you become involved in music? When I was in second grade, my mother 
made me take piano lessons. I guess I might have asked because my sister was taking and I looked up to my sister so much that I thought I wanted to do that. But I know I asked, let me correct, I asked to take the first year and then I wanted to quit, but she wouldn't let me. So I <laughs> made, good. she made me continue for the rest of elementary school. That's and good. then I, uh, I didn't, I didn't really sing much. And I had an uncle, my, I lived with my grandparents a good bit and he had been diagnosed with AIDS and was moving back home. <clears throat> And so he and I were roommates, basically, and got to be very close. And he, I said something about the choir one day. It was not very nice of me. And he said, well, you shouldn't be willing, shouldn't criticize unless you're willing to help, <laughs> which I took as just a real lesson to keep my mouth shut. But then he passed away not long after that. And very coincidentally, the choir director at our church asked me to sing in the choir and, you know, and it was still fresh on my mind that Uncle Dave had said something about my singing. And, uh, and so I said, yes, and I gave it a shot and I really liked it. And I could read music a little bit mm -hmm. already. And this was my junior year, I guess, of high school. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it, it, I don't know, it just sort of kept going. And I was a nerd. I still am a nerd, but I was on the math team. I was, you know, sciency. I was an odyssey of the mind, if any of you guys remember that. And it wasn't really going to be my thing. I just did it. I, I lived in a small town in Tennessee. I had no idea that a person could make a living as a singer. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about that. I'd certainly never been exposed to opera. We have an Opry in Tennessee, but we didn't have <laughs> opera. Yeah. That I knew of. It turns, I mean, it turns out we do, mm -hmm. but <clears throat> I didn't know anything about it. And then I went to college and I started in my concert choir and then I was singing in a chamber choir and then I was singing in a barbershop quartet. Long story short, I was singing more than I was doing anything else. Wow. And you know, I'd been a math major and I just, I had gotten my advisor to sign a piece of paper that says, can you... Can you, uh, you know, that I could be a, a major. It's just mm -hmm. a piece of paper in most departments. Mm -hmm. Well, I wanted to switch to music. Wow. And so I went down to the School of Music and I said I'd like, I had a piece of paper, a, a major change or something, form, whatever. Mm -hmm. I need somebody to sign this. And they, the, bless her heart, she just looked at me and she just sort of not shook her head a little bit. And, and she passed me off to... Uh, the chair of the voice area. And because she didn't want to even start the whole, this is not how this works. You don't, <laughs> clearly, you don't know what you're doing, any of that stuff. <laughs> but he opened the door, he welcomed me in, and he said, Well, let's talk about this. Oh. And then he sat down and, you know, went into a studio and he played a couple things on the piano and asked if I could sing a few things back. And he said, Well, you know, I think we could make this work because wow. I had sung and, you know, and so forth. And like I said, I could read music a little bit. I also had studied quite a few languages by that time. Mm -hmm. So I was able to jump into some repertoire a little more quickly than maybe even, you know, some people who were preparing for a degree in, yeah. in music. And, and I just am so thankful and that that voice teacher, Paul Rowe, invited me in and said, no, this is going to work. There's no, 
not a problem. And he, you know, helped me and started taking voice lessons the wow. next semester. And I switched to being a voice major. And it it was in some ways it was very organic, but it was really only because this one person mm-hmm. believed in me. And it it was right at the same time because I was switching my major. I also had to rearrange what is a very complex schedule for our curriculum for a voice major. So the first semester I took voice lessons was also the semester I took vocal pedagogy. And I started teaching because that was part of the curriculum Mm -hmm. for that pedagogy class. And I fell in love with teaching and was just like really embraced by, you know, a great open-minded, helpful teacher. So my love for teaching stemmed right from that very beginning. And like I said, I didn't even know a person could sing like as a career. Mm-hmm. I just knew that I wanted to do it and study it, spend time doing it. I didn't know. I didn't know anything. <laughs> you know, and I think about we put so much pressure on some of these, you know, 18 year olds coming to yep. sing for us at university and stuff. And we expect them to have everything sorted out. I think I didn't know anything. Yeah. I had no clue. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. In some ways, I guess that gives a better, <laughs> makes me a little bit more um, uh, patient with people who show up and, you know, yeah. don't know even what, what to start with or how to begin. So Yeah. You know, teachers are so important in helping yes. uh, young people in general, not necessarily only musicians, but just in helping them kind of ferret their way through the possibilities, you know, through what what could I do with the skills that I have? Right. The interests yeah. that I have, you know, it's hugely important. And I'm sure that that contributes to your uh, success as a teacher. Well, I still strongly support that my teaching informs my singing and my singing informs my teaching. And now that I'm an administrator, I also feel like that is a an addition that it, that informs my teaching and my singing and both of those inform my administrating. So yeah, I'm, that's wonderful. I'm really very lucky to have this multifaceted life in something I love so yeah. very much. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, there's, you know, when you, when you love something and you can make a living at it, it doesn't get better than that. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> the lottery, isn't it? That's right. That's right. It's fantastic. So tell us a little bit about once you graduated undergrad, what were your steps then? Well, again, I was finishing, I wound up transferring and finishing my degree in University of Wisconsin in Stevens Point. And like I said, I didn't know anything. (laughs) And so I, uh, I auditioned a couple of places, actually two exactly. And I got into one of them mm-hmm. with a scholarship and stuff. Wow. So I went to the University of Wisconsin in Madison, and, which I had fallen in love with Madison by then, mm-hmm. and uh, went there That's and did cool. my master's there. I was also a teaching fellow and continued teaching. I had been teaching at a conservatory in Stevens Point. Before I finished, I also started teaching at the University of Wisconsin in Platteville. Mm-hmm. So that was my first, like, teaching job per se. And then I knew I wanted to teach. And, you know, when you're, like I said, even singing as a career wasn't like really on my mind necessarily. It was part of what I would do. But again, it's not a, Mm -hmm. you don't make money singing, you know, that's what, you know, (laughs) nobody ever thinks you could make a living singing. 
And, uh, and so I followed my passion to teach and I knew that I needed to have a doctorate probably to do that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I sought out, and again, Paul was Paul would still wound up being my teacher because he had gotten a job at the University of Wisconsin Madison too. Oh, cool! And so he and I talked about is it was important for me to find a school at this point that maybe specialized in opera because that's the direction my voice was going, mm-hmm. and you know, a couple of good teachers had come up, and we, he and I worked really hard together, and I did a, a lot of work. You know, we didn't have spreadsheets so much in that time, but mm-hmm. I created basically a spreadsheet of doctoral programs that offered what I was looking for with teachers that I was very interested in working with Wonderful. and did sample lessons around, you know, all the stuff mm-hmm. and uh, wound up at the University of Houston where I was very lucky to have a teaching fellowship and mm-hmm. taught there and, Great school there and studied. And we did four shows a year, mm-hmm. which was huge. You know, because most schools don't do that. A lot of it was double cast. So I was. Oh, yeah. Working all the time. <laughs> yeah. The three, the the winter shows, two winter shows happened simultaneously. Wow. So I, but I wound up doing three shows a year for years, which was mm-hmm. huge experience. Of and, course. And then while I was there, I also was singing around and getting gigs in Houston. I actually made my Chicago debut singing with the Chicago Humanities Festival just because of a connection I made through school and started doing more recitals, a lot more uh, masterwork sort of things. And I was Mm -hmm. teaching in a college there. It's great. And uh, I don't know, I went to audition for summer programs. This, Mm -hmm. This is the path that's sort of like, you know, we try to encourage some people in the American system, but it's mm-hmm. not everybody's path. Yeah. So I went to Santa Fe, did that for two years. And then I worked to finish up my my doctorate and then wound up going to Marilla in 07, which is where the, the people, John Rolandi from Lyric Opera mm-hmm. heard me and in, in, invited me to the auditions and I you know, got into the opera center that year. Wow. I mean, that is just, it is fantastic. It's fantastic. Well, it sounds very, you know, very linear. And, and I think, you know, when you look at someone's bio, especially if it's been condensed and edited down and streamlined over what, 15 years now, Mm -hmm. it sounds, you know, very straightforward, but it's a lot of up and down and, you know, it, it sort of misses the fact that in 06, all I was, really doing was singing around and working on my dissertation mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. I wasn't, I wasn't really doing anything that was, I wouldn't say necessarily um, high profile, but mm-hmm. I was on the road 30 something weeks of that year. Yeah. Wonderful. And working was- all the time, but yeah. working at places that, you know, some of them were really great, and some of them were making a few hundred dollars to yeah. pay some bills. And that's right, that's right. And and I can I remember being at one of them, and I I had this that I wanted to talk about this idea that because it it comes to mind for me. There was one gig that I had that it was really dissatisfying, and mm-hmm. I you know, and I know plenty of people who have this response of oh I'm too good for this place or I shouldn't be here. Well. All I could think was, I have got to get better. Mm, I see. Because these, you know, there's 
there's a lot of a lot of people in this room overshooting what their level of success could be you know like mm -hmm. um not being very realistic about what yeah. they might be able to accomplish at a very high level and and i just it's like i've got to i've got to work harder i've got to get mm -hmm. better so that this is not how you know we make music together yeah and and i i think it's really important to learn to balance that concept of self-improvement and mm -hmm. constant ambition and drive yes with the there's a very strong and i think appropriate concept these days of i am enough i'm doing well enough i'm working hard enough mm -hmm. and it's uh, it's difficult sometimes to yeah. to balance you know patience with laziness maybe or yeah yeah with uh contentment with complacency You're so right. yeah. i i think it's a, a a very valuable to talk about and especially for younger singers mm -hmm. who are trying to figure out are they working hard enough why aren't mm -hmm. they getting the success that they thought or have been told they should be getting mm -hmm. for the work and uh realizing you know the path is not a straightforward path you, you keep churning along and there are going to be times where you kind of You just have to take care of yourself and maybe ride the wave a little bit, and then yeah. you have to fire it back up and keep moving forward. Yep, that's right. That's right. And you have to have thick skin. You have to be, you know, um, really uh, somewhat like a pit bull. <laughs> But you yeah. also, you know, have to be like a pit bull in terms of, of your ambition, but also in terms of your hard work, as you're saying. You know, yeah. I need to be better. You know, you go to an sure. audition and it's not, oh, well, they didn't pick me or whatever. I need to be better. You know, I need yeah. to be better. And and I think that's a, a that's wonderful advice for young singers. Well, a very good friend that we both know described me once as having the heart of a newborn child, but the skin of a rhinoceros. Wow. And because, and I think that's been... I'm very touched that that she was generous enough and open enough to see me that way because mm -hmm. I do think I'm extremely optimistic and extremely hopeful. Yeah. And yet I can tolerate some of the failures that yeah. not just happen in my singing, but maybe that happen in some of the initiatives I've been hoping for, some mm -hmm. of the changes or positive uh, differences I've been hoping to make for. And sometimes they just don't work. Yeah. People right. are not not ready to go. That's right. So. That's right. You just have to, to your point, you just have to be both patient and resilient and keep yeah. moving forward. Yeah, that's wonderful. So tell us very briefly, what was the topic of your dissertation? At the time, in a college, in my doctoral studies, I'd wound up doing several villain works. And this was also when uh, Sam Raimi was doing oh, his wow. villain recitals and things like that. Yeah. So my, what my, dissertation was the devil's in the details and it was an an exploration of mephistophelian idioms and their religious historical and psychological bases wow. so That's what makes what makes villain music sound like villain music mm -hmm. and you know the fact that it's often set with a lower male voice which is sounds scary to some mm -hmm. people but also is maybe because it's low it's closer to hell I, yeah. you know these are <laughs> <laughs> These are things that, you know, kind of people infer, you know, a lot of yeah. chromaticism, a lot of, you know, a lot of anti-Semitism, yeah. a lot of, in general, um, 
using non, you know, non-Abrahamian concepts mm-hmm. that are brought in as, you know, evil yeah. instead of being like in a purely historical Christian tradition. Yes. You know, especially in like the 17, 18 and 1900s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Fascinating. So talk to us a little bit about some of your favorite performing experiences. Mm. Maybe funny things that happened or interesting things or whatever, things that really stand out in your mind. Well, you know, one of the funniest things I ever did was I needed to go to the bathroom, you know, singing, drinking a lot of water. And I thought, well, all right, we're going to finish this scene. And I know that I have to beat the tenor to the bathroom that's right off stage or I'm not going to be able to make it back in time. And just, and so I finish up and I just sort of like jet right off stage. And just as I get like the bathroom door closed, I hear the music for my next scene because I had completely forgotten something. So, I mean, in retrospect, that was funny. It was certainly not funny in the moment, but all's well that ends well. You but know, you got back in time, everything ended up. Everything okay. worked out just fine. I still needed to go to the bathroom. But <laughs> um, one, of, one of my favorite moments in an opera performance was when I was an apprentice in Santa Fe. I was doing one of the little roles in Peter Grimes. And... And the, the the storm scenes coming up, and I'm, for those who are listening who know Santa Fe, the back of the stage is often open to the Los Alamos Mountains, mm-hmm. and there was a storm, and so during the storm scene and during all of these moments, there was lightning and thunder and rain blowing in. It was almost wow. like in uh, Waiting for Guffman when he'd blown, like, fire and smoke in for his backdraft version. Uh, yeah. In, you know, like, a really experiential moment for for everyone. And, and uh, it was it was very magical. It was, you know, like, Mother Nature was on our side. Yes, that's a wonderful. fully artful experience. Wow. And I still listen to those intermezzos mm-hmm. because some of the most beautiful things, I think, have been ever written. Wow. And... Christine Brewer was the uh, Ellen Orford in that, and her her singing of embroidery during that production was a full on voice lesson in itself. Wow. I listened to every single time she sang wow. that. Wow, fantastic, fantastic! So, what advice would you give? to young singers coming along. And, you know, some, some advice can be across the board, and then some of, it, some of it might be specific to classical singers. But I, I would just be uh, interested to hear what you say to your students and what you would say just in general. Well, in general, one does have to learn to take care of oneself wholly as the instrument. Mm-hmm. As we have to be physically healthy, you know, like we were talking before we started going that, you know, if you have a little tickle because the weather's not so great or whatever, you still have to pay attention, take care of it. Absolutely. And, you know, also getting enough sleep and taking care of our mental health because we are a large, large system that is about making the music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that part is there. And, you know, one of the things that keeps coming up a lot is taking Take care of your financial health as well. Yes. And 
learning learning a little bit about cost benefit analysis mm-hmm. and just in general learning that you know you don't need to have you know a fine fine bag or fancy shoes or anything mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. you need to have you know appropriate audition attire and and such but it doesn't need to be expensive mm-hmm. you, you know you need to learn basically that debt is not going to be good for you and you should be very careful about how you leverage debt for your own advancement mm-hmm. and from obviously taking out student loans that's a pretty straightforward one to to making sure that you know you've really valued how much you're spending on a summer program or how much I, I I didn't mention in my doctorate, my minor was actually business and marketing. Smart. And one of the classes that was really helpful was a decision-making course. And for one of my projects, I did a, should a person take this audition? Mm-hmm. Kind of like financially, does it, is it a business risk to take the audition and how to calculate? And obviously it's pretty subjective in many ways, but Really, you should be very thoughtful about taking every single audition. Some people say, oh, you have to do 100 auditions to get one job. I I think that number is too high. I think it makes much more sense to be more targeted about your auditions so that maybe you're doing 10. Maybe you're only doing five auditions mm-hmm. for the one job because that's where you really want to be in the pocket. If you're singing for 99 places that are not hiring you, you haven't really been thorough about that selection process. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that one is mm-hmm. is really, really beneficial. And like I said, it's just work. It's mm-hmm. a lot of work. It's not. It's right. easy in some ways just to sing for everything that comes across the desk. But mm-hmm. when you start calculating, like if you have to fly to New York and right. occasionally you still have to do that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of it is online now. But you know, if you have to spend a few a few hundred dollars getting a pretty good video together specifically for something, then you have to know that that's going to be worth it. Yeah, get some money back on it. Hmm. Other than that, the real the real thing is like constantly renew your joy in the singing and the work and the practicing. You know, if you don't like practicing. You gotta, you gotta figure out something else because yeah. really it's about practicing and emailing and getting your your materials in order and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. You kind of need to at least like that sort of stuff and really find joy in you know sitting down with the music and going through it and discovering and envisioning how you want it to happen on stage because it's not you won't magically find joy on stage if you haven't had joy in the process. Hmm. That's, that's a very good comment. That's very good. Just my opinion, but I don't, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot of time in rehearsals. It's a lot of time practicing. It's a lot of time in coachings. And like I said, if you don't enjoy all of those things too, then Mm -hmm. most of your time is not going to be filled with joy and very difficult to motivate when you're not, not spreading joy. That's great. That's great. These are really good bits of of advice for singers, not only young singers, but singers in general. You know, you've got to have joy in the journey of getting to oh, where yeah. you want to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and don't quit. 
Yeah. That's my, that definitely my, you know, I don't know. It's not a secret. It's the part of the recipe for my, and I would use air quotes here, success <laughs> that, that I've been singing for 25 years, but mm-hmm. I've had a long career because I just haven't quit. Yeah. And that goes back to the, you know, thick skin stubbornness that you just, just yeah. keep going. And keep going. Have a, keep going. You know, have a pretty, pretty uh, busy season, but you know, like, like we said, I have a lot of, a lot of irons in the fire. So mm-hmm. I'm very lucky. Yeah. That's very great. Lucky. That's great. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us about your career, about yourself, about your family, about anything? I mean, we, you know, this has been such a fascinating conversation and you're such an interesting guy and such an accomplished person. You know, I, I know that people are loving this, this interview. Well, I think take time like you're doing, Greta. That like, do you mind if I call you Greta? Sorry. Absolutely Dr. not. Are you kidding, <laughs> Doctor Pope? That um, that I think definitely take time to talk to your colleagues and mm-hmm. and maintain your friendships and connections, not mm-hmm. just for networking and I may need them for a job, but just right. you know, we all learn from each other, and I've learned Absolutely. so much from you and our meetings and the the various committees we've served on together. I just, it's just a joy to spend time with you. And I think this is again, part of the joy in the process and the making. You're right. Well, it's a joy to spend time with you as well. I mean, you're just so accomplished and thank you so much for chatting with us today on the Business Savvy Singer podcast. Well, it's great to be with you. Well, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Sam Handley. You're the best. Thank you so much. See you soon. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Good news. We're partnering. The Business Savvy Singer podcast is delighted to be included in the NatsCast network. NatsCast is the official podcast network of the National Association of Teachers of Singing. It's an honor to be part of this community and have the opportunity to provide encouragement, education, and entertainment to singers everywhere. Singers, have you ever wanted to improve your sight reading skills? Do you want to hear harmonies better and sing them more easily? Would you like to be able to improvise and sing more styles of music? Donovan Mixon's performance ear training can help you with all of these things. Donovan has been a faculty member at Berklee College of Music and is an expert in this field. Doesn't matter where you live, classes are offered online. Visit donmixon.com. Check out our show notes for more info. The Business Savvy Singer podcast is brought to you by the privatemusicstudio.net, Eternal Wolf Music, and Greta Pope Entertainment. Let us know if you know of a singer who is having great success in the music business. We'd love to share their story and their journey on this podcast. Send your emails to info at gretapope.com. We've had a great time with you today. See you next time on the Business Savvy Singer Podcast. The Business Savvy Singer.